0: The Down Below podcast was our last, best hope, to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the Spoiler War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, Down Below.
1: Hello again everyone, welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. I'm back. Today we are joined by a return visitor. Down below, it's been a while, but say hello to Shane.
2: Hey there, guys. Welcome back. Welcome
1: back.
3: So now we're okay. running away from Earth. You're willing to visit us again? Yeah. Yes, definitely.
1: I don't want to have any affiliation with Earth right now,
3: man.
2: And, oh and, and right. Earth politics as well, considering what I do for a living.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you win any election or something? Yeah, I got,
2: I got returned uh, to council just a few weeks, short sure, weeks ago. Cool, awesome. After a forty-two hour a day, but we w we, 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 But this is not the politics cast, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. You talk all day about. Oh.
2: <laughs> no, yes, I could do, but I'm not going to. This is the Babylon Five podcast.
1: Mm. <laughs> this crap going on in our senate right now. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Today we are here to discuss episode 13 of season 3, a late delivery from Avalon, but first, a word from the ISN Underground.
0: This is an ISN Underground report. Things are getting back to normal on Babylon 5 after the separation from Earth, John Sheridan and Susan Ivanova deal with safety issues and how to protect the station. Getting mail on Babylon 5 has proven difficult. And reports have come in that Michael Garibaldi got into a bit of a altercation with the head of the postal department. Dr. Franklin has been dealing with a bout of Banta flu. And rumours continue to fly about the Vorlons. The latest rumour is that they have plucked notable humans out of history, including Jack the Ripper and King Arthur. This has been your ISN Underground Report.
2: Shane, I've done it! Again, Paul? Then open the window, there's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarfs so can watch it for the first time. Again. Really? Is it safe? Completely. Although you might also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician. I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time.
0: Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath.
2: What are you doing at my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us.
0: Maybe we're recording a podcast about it. Hmm,
2: that's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf Intro
4: Cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: A late delivery from Avalon originally aired April 22nd, 1996. It was directed by Michael Vahar, who directed Messages from Earth, and it was written by JMS. So
4: he directed a late delivery and messages? <laughs> hmm. yeah. He likes the, the one late. about the mail system.
1: <laughs> Speaking of JMS, we we're, what, five days away from Sensei as we record this? <laughs> I've seen the trailer. Okay. Yes, <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah.
4: So wait, is that that's coming out on Netflix? Yeah. All all at once, like it. All, all twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I know.
1: I said originally I was just going to watch one at a time, <laughs> but I think I'm gonna. I think I pretty much changed. Have my no
4: self control. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I, it was because JMS said, you know, I kind of want people to. It was kind of designed to be binged, or at least. Four episode. They're groups of four, three groups of four, or all twelve at once.
3: It definitely looks That's... interesting. Do you going to do a daredevil? Are oh, you will?
1: Uh, no, I was. I'm just. I'm going to probably watch the first four that first okay. weekend, and then the next four the next weekend.
3: I might binge through within a week at least.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you'll watch it twice in the first week. <laughs>
3: There's another show that they've got out at the moment as well, which. He's only being released one episode a week, so they're experimenting Uh, with their release schedule, it seems.
1: I was going to watch that, but then I decided I would... I think it's called Between or something like that. Mm. I was going to...
3: At the moment, it's feeling too much like Under the Dome.
1: Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Under the Dome's okay. So,
4: did he create the show or he's writing the show?
1: He's a co-creator with the Wachowskis. I Mm. think he's... Done a lot of the writing
0: and because he likes there. to do that,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, I know they're all involved somehow. They came up with the concept. I know, I think the Wachowskis did some of the directing, mm-hmm. not all of it.
3: You see, you're pretty lucky, and um, Sensei gets really good download viewership. However, Netflix gets their numbers, hopefully, they'll try and get Babylon 5.
1: Yeah, hopefully, they um, uh. Oh, yeah, that was reading where, you know, he loves those five-year arcs, so they already have a five-year plan for it. Season two is pretty much all mapped out. Oh. Nice. Wow. They have a general idea for three, four, and five.
4: Nice.
1: Anyway, <laughs> late delivery from Evalon. <laughs> Let's get started <laughs> with the recap. So the episode begins with Ivanova and Sheridan talking about the problems they're having since they broke off from Earth, trade is down, and... They don't want to have to keep depending on the Minbari for everything.
0: Yeah, this was kind of a question I had. Like, how do they even function really with, yeah, you know, kind of being at war a little bit um, with Earth? So it was nice that it was addressed. And, yeah. Um,
3: yeah. Now all the madness has calmed down a little bit. They get a chance to say, okay, right, how do we survive? Right.
1: Down in the post office, I'm thinking uh, JMS must hate the postal system. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: right there right with him. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't we
4: all There's
1: no breaks? he's having trouble getting his package. All the prices have skyrocketed, and the guys had to go through some, I guess, extra means to get mail delivered to B five. So he's passing it on to the customer. So
4: this guy hmm. is like, he he's a postal employee, but he's also doing stuff on the DL, like. Yeah. yeah I assume that probably they're not supposed to bring postage to be fine I guess I, what I was
3: surprised about um these these a lack of people in queue to get anything for the post office <laughs> <laughs> it's Shane, so you know what it's like over here?
2: yes, I do
1: same over here when you have to mail a package yeah. and this is. They have three, you know, counters but only two are open.
4: Always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I liked how the um background actors in line, if you look at them, they all look very impatient. They're
5: like
0: shuffling yeah. their feet and
4: like sighing. <laughs> very realistic for the most it's very times. realistic. Yeah. good
1: JMS was probably on the set that day. Make sure you look gotta look more impatient, yeah. gotta look more pissed off. Right so Garbaldi um, yeah, so he, doesn't end up getting the package but he has some good food and it, it sounds like
4: well and, and
0: the the postal worker is going to keep said package and uh, sounds like keep it and open it because that's why he really wanted to keep it
1: yeah that's sort of sounded like
0: that's illegal
1: yeah I know <laughs> so I'm thinking like you can't do you can't open this package I thought that was what was going to happen
4: it's a free for all now what's stop this
1: Next we see a ship arrive with a passenger who's having some bad dreams. In the dream, he's having trouble closing one door and goes sees something in another door and runs down the hall and he comes up on a sword and he grabs it. <laughs> and we <laughs> learn later this guy calls himself Arthur. He's played by Michael York, who's a very well-known mm. actor.
3: Get having Michael York aboard It's a shame about these cheesy black-and-white sequences. <laughs> I I was literally doing
2: my re- rewatch literally an hour ago. Unfortunately, no, I've, I've had some of this week and I haven't been able to do my rewatch beforehand. But these black and white sequences—I forgot how long they dragged on for.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and
0: and then when it goes to like the opening credit sequence, it's like, okay, was that supposed to mean something to me? Like, I have right. no idea what's going on. <laughs>
1: was it Michael York and uh, Logan's run, the main guy. He was basal yeah. exposition in the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. <laughs> he actually played King Arthur in a TV movie sometime after this episode. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. After the credits, Franklin and Marcus are uh, checking out some patients. And it looks like they have the banta flu. I was wondering if there was some kind of reference to Star Wars.
3: I was
0: thinking that, too. I was like, oh... <laughs>
3: Yeah, almost, yeah, I didn't pick up on it um, until this time round.
1: Everyone's got to be inoculated and Marcus going on frankly. He caught this early because he saw someone eating out of a waste bin and recognized something he saw from when he worked on a drowsy con. Yeah, they explained how people get banter flu. Okay,
3: he saw someone eating out of a bin and he didn't stop them.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um
2: as uh, this is my first third season episode, I can uh make a reference, which I probably only Ian will get, but uh Marcus reminds me of Ed depole, oh
3: yes, kind of I see why you're saying that hmm. as the Americans go silent <laughs> <laughs> hopefully i'm th- I'm thinking of the right guy um. The second host of Crystal Mays? Yep, you've got it. <laughs> oh, brilliant 90s um, quiz, but oh, well, not quiz. No, 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 no. Oh. Uh,
2: for for the Americans who are listening, do you ever, have you ever heard of Fort Boyard? No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's that, even more uh, obscure. <laughs> Oh, well, I was, yeah, you so, you? yeah. So um, yeah, so it was an action adventure game show where people had to collect uh, time uh, crystals from, and they had to do a series of challenges. Very, yeah. very, very, very classic shout to
3: the shout the TV style game show. Yeah. well, not to shout at the TV, you because of the way the games were set up, you had most of the contestants shouting out whoever's trying to do the puzzle as well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh. this is
3: a kid's show? No, and
2: adults. first evening. Interesting.
3: Yeah. Um, it, two eccentric hosts. First of, of it, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now, but uh, he...
2: R- Richard Rich O'Brien, which you should know as the creator of the Roger Hobbit show. <laughs> Yeah,
3: okay. But look, look it up on YouTube. Kind of have to be seen to kind of get. Be, yes, I will. F- I'll put I'll you second. a
2: uh, link. Will uh oh. from a, a, a complete episode. They're all on YouTube.
3: Okay. Of course, you've got. You know. Sorry. The main memory I've got of it is um, Richard Brown going on about Mummy when he's in the um, Medieval Zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mumsy.
1: I don't yeah. to the Medieval Zone.
3: Oh, yeah, you had Medieval Zone, Future Zone, Aztec Zone, and Industrial. another zone. Industrial Zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds Show notes. They talk-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um Franklin and Marcus talk about life being unfair, which is one of my quotes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so then a shuttle docks in medbay Franklin asks him about Marcus's pen which signifies a combining of the two souls what it's called and Marcus learned a lot from the minbari he's still working on that patience thing Franklin wants to hear more but Marcus doesn't think he does so Arthur arrives and the scanners pick up a weapon security tries to stop him but he draws his sword and Marcus and Franklin conveniently arrive. And Arthur claims to be Arthur Pindragon and his sword is Excalibur.
0: Which I was excited about because that was a prediction last week with yeah. Excalibur and Zapras and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and then... It's all coming together. I know. But then my expectations were apparently a little too high because <laughs> it didn't turn out how I wanted it to.
3: Although there is a slight thing you got right um, right at the very end someone refers to Kosh as Merlin
0: <laughs> that's
1: right so Marcus defuses the situation saying oh we weren't where you were coming back king and whatever but he slips up by mentioning I think it was Galahad and Lancelot and Arthur says they're all dead Franklin's going to claim responsibility for Arthur and um, <laughs> Arthur tells him to take his leeches elsewhere he doesn't need a doctor but eventually he agrees to go <laughs> with them.
4: So, question: the dream or whatever he had at the beginning, um, what was that supposed to mean? Was that supposed to mean that he just started his delusion?
1: I don't know. I think they've been maybe been happening for a while.
4: Maybe it's a Quite. recurring dream. Yeah. Oh, okay. That would make sense. The otherwise, to get the cosplay getup.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah. And later on, we hear about how he's he was depressed. Um, you know, had a lot of post traumatic stress and anxiety about the first act of the war and then that coupled with being on the Battle of the Line must have tipped him over the edge.
4: The Battle of the Line was how many years ago again?
3: Um, um twelve, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, 12, 13, thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen years ago because ten years, ten years after the Earth bar war. And the, you know, Battle of the Line is when um, Babylon 5 opened, and the first season starts a year after Babylon Five's opened, so it's 13 years. Okay.
1: Mm. Uh, in Med Bay, Franklin says, author had <laughs> no idea your travel papers. They're going to run his fingerprints. You know how long it takes their computers to do
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear.
1: So Arthur says, oh, you don't believe me, do you? But yeah, Franklin is skeptical. Arthur doesn't know he, how he got there. Last thing he remembers is lying in the field of battle. And I kind of tuned out a little bit here when he was talking, but he was said something about a barge with queens and sisters and being taken to Avalon to heal. And he's going to sleep. He said, oh, yeah, I told him he would sleep for a while and return when he's most needed. So he thinks mm-hmm. that's why he's there, because he's needed
4: is that part of the myth of King Arthur?
3: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's part, some myths anyway, because the whole King Arthur asked. thing's got several different versions to it. Yeah. And he it's died, um, some it. evidence that the whole myth actually came from um, France and maybe Normandy during the Norman invasion. So, And that, you know, Arthur, if he ever really was a person, was actually um, someone living in France not a British
1: person oh okay mm. uh, so Marcus and Franklin are explaining things to Garibaldi and Sheridan and they yeah, talk about how there may have been a real person behind the legend and Marcus proposes that maybe the Vorlons took him out of time I love
4: this Jack proposition for... <laughs> so
1: much <laughs> yeah Ardell's hoping it would be true yes. I know
4: it would have
0: been better
1: just all these figures that the Borlawns mm. just took them. <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, it almost um, is basis for a whole series on its own. <laughs> you know, this yes. whole series based around people plucked out of time. It's called the historical excellent figures. adventure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Connecticut Yankees. Were they, um... I think I may have, yeah, I was thinking of that, um, King Arthur movie that Michael York was in. I think I may have actually seen that because they said it was, uh, based on a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Um, yeah, they get a call from Medlab saying that Arthur
3: has escaped. Security recently. in Medlab is awful. Yeah. How many people <laughs> have escaped from there? Uh, uh, do you mean to count? I don't well, know, I
2: know. <laughs>
0: You shouldn't have to have security to keep people in the hospital. I mean, <laughs> apparently yeah. on Babylon 5 you do, but it shouldn't yeah,
1: be no an issue. Wants to stay.
3: But especially someone who's come in with a sword and threatened people already, <laughs> you would have security there. Yep. Yeah. And also, Marcus knows how easy it is to get out of medlab, so because he he's done it. probably should have <laughs> told Stephen, yeah, we need more people around this guy, it's too easy to get out of here.
1: This is exactly You'd, how he you skating, would have
2: maybe. thought when they upgraded Meddev at the start of season three, they would put some more. at least security cameras in. Hmm. Yeah.
3: But. And he did seem to be in a secure room. Yes.
4: So. Well, that's the downside of the doors just opening when you get near
2: them.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Indeed.
1: So, Arthur uh, finds a lady in. Yeah comes across a lady who was robbed her picture was stolen and he finds out the location of the robbers we cut to Jakar making a deal for some messages that are being sent back and forth from Narn past the Centauri and he comes across some people beating up a guy these are the guys that stole the picture the author comes in and breaks up the fight and he's uh, fighting with his sword taking out everybody's legs
3: (laughs) yeah he must have um been getting, um, not fencing lessons, proper sword fighting lessons in the past 10 years to yeah. be able to wield the sword like that. Yeah.
1: Are these people going to be able to walk right again with their, like, tendons or stuff cut out? So a bunch of more baddies arrive, and Jakar jumps in and helps Arthur with his cat fighting <laughs> stance. Oh, <my> <laughs> it's so
3: good it's that awesome. they. It's so good that they cut away before we saw it and just let our imaginations get <laughs> in the rest.
4: I love like his expression. <laughs> yeah.
3: Like, <laughs> and even before that, he's so happy just to get in a fight. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Arthur returns the photo that was stolen from the lady and Garibaldi his men are looking for Arthur and Marcus overhears this. Of course, he's in the right place at the right. She's probably
4: always
1: lurking about Babylon Five. It's like the car,
4: he just hides behind. <laughs> I also,
0: gosh I wonder if he like accidentally runs into those two a lot. Like if they're lurking in the same corridor. Oh, sorry, I'll go somewhere yeah. else.
3: Well, there must be assume. there must be secret back passages that these guys use that no uh-huh. one else uses. Oh, they
0: have a those, Marauders
4: that waiter.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Visibility cloak. Yeah. yeah, he didn't seem, you know, like nervous or anything around Kosh when he saw him. They probably have these secret meetings or whatever, <laughs> or bump into each other all the time.
4: Yeah. Speaking of secret meetings with Kosh, what happened to Kosh training Sheridan? Yeah, never happened we with seen that. Any of that.
1: Maybe train. Maybe taught him everything he could.
0: After he was after he was seen, he sort of just after he revealed himself to everyone. Yeah, he's kind of too embarrassed. Still tired. At least we saw him. Yeah, for a, well, a second.
1: <laughs> it's like I only revealed myself to beautiful ladies. I'm I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> Everybody saw me. So <clears throat> Jakar and Arthur are celebrating. Yeah, Jakar's just happy to be involved in such a straightforward fight.
3: Uh, yeah, another great they're, team.
1: Yeah, they're having fun. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Knights nice Jakar, he's now Sir Jakar.
3: He yes. should
0: totally go by that from now on. You will call me Sir Jakar.
1: <laughs> no longer Citizen Jakar, he's Sir Jakar. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Especially if, um... Well, he's not Arthur anymore. He, when he goes off to Narn to form the new Round Table. <laughs> There is going to be a round table, so he, he's got every right to call himself Sir Chicar.
1: Yeah. So Garibaldi's about to break in to get his package. I guess he's not looking for an author anymore.
0: <laughs> he's too busy worried about his food.
1: Yeah. And so uh, his yeah, security guy's little Apprehensive, They could get in real trouble messing with the post office. <laughs> I like that. It's like,
0: the post well, office is above everything else. We've, like, broken away from Earth,
3: but don't
0: mess with the post office.
3: Yeah. Why is this? Because, really, the Royal of our post office, isn't that formidable? It's kind of inept.
0: Oh, well, yeah. our postal service, like, there's just so many laws surrounding it. I think that's where this comes from. Ah. Because it's like, you know, it's against the law to tamper with mail. It's against the law to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm.
1: A few years ago, I remember getting these letters. Apparently somebody in California had been intercepting, I think, Netflix. um, Or maybe it was Gamefly emails that I had sent in there. It was not just mine, but it was a whole bunch of other people. So she was being put on trial and they were keeping everybody up to date every step along the case. I kept getting letters about she was, she had like some kind of settlement and she was put on probation and had to pay all these fines. Yeah. So she was intercepting Netflix and watching them herself. (laughs) I don't know. I guess she was sending them back, but yeah, she got caught.
4: Yeah, she was sending them
0: back. It's a federal offense to tamper with the mail system in the U.S. So. Yes.
1: So I don't remember having any, uh, you know, this that never made it back. So I guess she was sending them back after she <laughs> finished with them.
0: Well, that's nice. I mean,
3: yeah.
0: she was just borrowing them.
3: Yeah. She,
1: yeah, she was a postal worker herself.
3: All right. So oh, she wasn't awesome. logging into your account and kind of messing right. with your ratings then.
1: Yeah, she was just getting oh, them from work and yeah. taking them home.
0: Funny. That, <laughs> it would be kind of like... Um, Doing that would be kind of like a, a mystery box or something. You'd be like, oh, what did I get today?
1: Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder about that. Like, when I, uh, when I w- used to have the disc plan, like, if yeah, people saw what I was reading and wanted to watch it, like, would they like what I was watching? Whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, weird crap. <laughs> like, is he watching this? Um, yeah, so they get caught and say the guy says he's going to charge Garibaldi for the lock,
2: and
0: then
1: uh, that's G- it. Yeah.
2: I was very anticlimactic. I was like, okay, well I wanna go back to that in a minute.
1: Okay. <laughs> Jakar is asking Arthur why he took the fight so personally. I think I tuned out again here, but I think he blamed himself for his knights dying or something like that. Mm-hmm. We see this dream again where some ships are being destroyed in a battle.
3: We see Jakar drunk. Okay. Yes. yes, drunk Jakar is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs>
4: Is this where he was explaining what happened? Yeah. Um, right? So somebody threw their sword.
3: snake.
4: Like mm. okay. I don't okay. know if that's part of the action, or uh,
3: they're not. And given what we know about Membari, that whole ma- thing matches up. Yeah, uh, the guns. Yeah, course, gun ports open, good. drawing a sword and uh, reacting fear.
0: Okay, what is the name of the ship or whatever that Morden... And uh, Sheridan's wife were on the Icarus. Okay, see, in oh, my brain, I'm, I'm right with you. Harry. I got confused, and I thought Prometheus, and I was ah. like, "Oh my gosh, Morden is uh, more is it Morgana? More, is that what, yeah?
5: Morgan. Yeah." When
0: they were when he was talking, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he knew Morden." And, it, like, this story was way better in my head. <laughs> okay. I was completely a, confused. A, a Prometheus,
2: a Prometheus is the awful aliens uh, prequel.
0: Yeah. It's not that bad. Well, the confusion this. in my head was better than what it ended up being. And so,
4: that actually makes this episode not as good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, I thought the same thing for a brief, shiny moment.
1: Marcus finds them and... Mr. Garibaldi's put out. It's a good lie.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Jakar's line that follows better. better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jakar is going to vouch for, all, he said he'll vouch for Arthur's character, but when Arthur's about to leave, Jakar passes out.
2: <clears throat> Haven't really we all done off. that at the pub? Yeah. Or on the way home? Never uh, actually passed I- out. <laughs> Like that. Well, oh, okay.
3: Just, just me then. Well, like that. Um, <laughs> I, I know the first time I ever got drunk. Um, yeah, I can't remember most of the night, and that's never happened again.
0: And I don't drink, so no experience
1: here. I pretty much, for the most part, don't drink anymore. But I remember first time I got really drunk. <laughs> I had to, yeah, I had to be taken home, and I don't remember a whole lot about what happened. But I just remember. Being really sick the next day, was, yeah, uh, but hey, one of the person who took me home is still one of my closest friends to this day.
3: Uh, you see, I got drunk around family on a holiday skiing holiday, and you know I'm still kind of at a loss to what happened. You know, because they're not talking about it, so something must have happened. <laughs> oh. Do you know what I would? Have, um, do you know what I would
2: have done in that situation? Here, uh, I would. I would have made up the biggest, tactical story that could never be true in a million years. <laughs> Fair enough. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm horrible about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Next, Sheridan is addressing the league account. Uh, they want the governments to help defend Babylon Five. And then Marcus and Franklin are talking. Franklin's found out who Arthur is. He was in Earth Force. And when Marcus sees where Franklin's found, he says, you can't show him this.
3: This is actually some nice character development with Marcus and Franklin or Stephen, however you want to call him, because up until now, Franklin hasn't quite had anything else apart from medical stuff to do. Now he's got this... Friendship with Marcus forming, and it's an interesting dynamic to watch. Definitely.
0: And Franklin should not play psychiatrist, and should listen to Marcus. And I hate him even more.
2: (laughs) You would have have thought he would have have thought he would have learned after the incident in Believers. Yes.
1: And so Franklin's talking to Arthur. Arthur doesn't know who the man in the pick that Franklin shows him He doesn't believe that's him. uh, Franklin says it's David McIntyre, age 52, honorably discharged after the Battle of the Line. And Arthur seems to start remembering. He says this man has no business surviving. He was responsible. Franklin says he wasn't. And Arthur starts talking more. Since their horses were on fire and could never rest, he must return. Excalibur to the Lady of the Lake. I almost stopped taking notes here just because he was
3: rambling. <laughs> <I didn't really laughs> well, this is the only good thing to come out of what Franklin's doing here. He actually gets information that leads to the cure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: He says somebody deserves to die and he screams and goes to his knees and just stops responding to anything Franklin's saying.
0: I thought he was just going to be left <laughs> like this like catatonic. Yeah. I was like, oh man Franklin, seriously
1: Maybe Kosh could help him
0: He'd just make Open. him believe he was Arthur
1: <laughs> uh, Maybe not And C&C Ivanova's gotten word from the Drazi ambassador enough of the worlds have agreed to help out that they can make it work with room to spare but there's one thing Wait, what was that one thing?
3: Mm, well, I think they're referring to the author situation.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was <laughs> Yeah. I was wondering if that was it or if they were gonna come back.
3: This to whole later. uh plot line is something they need to do, but it's so throwaway that it's it's a shame they could have made more of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. It's
3: not You could receive more of the League of Non-Aligned Worlds and that could be fleshed out a bit more.
0: hmm
1: Probably would have been more interesting. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> in Med Bay, franklin says one day he'll learn that he can't fix everything we'll see <laughs> marcus wonders why arthur came to b5 and they go through all the symbols like english class in high school and they figure out who the lady of the lake must be so dylan comes to see him i love how serious and concerned and she looks and mm. really kind to him yeah in author's vision, um, a hand comes in, but in the real world, he gives the sword to Delenn.
3: Yeah, and Delen actually takes the sword with reverence, so, you know... Yeah. She completely understands symbolism because everything the religious caste does is symbolism.
1: I wonder what she did with that sword. Hmm. <laughs> JMS said that she took it back to the prop department, but... <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, I can see Delane keeping it and actually keeping it with enough reverence and respect for what it represents.
1: Yeah. It'd be cool if we see her hanging on her wall, but I don't remember if anything like that.
3: Right
1: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so Garibaldi goes and pays for his package 100 credits, but reminds me of that postal guy that everybody broke off from Earth and nobody's paying for his little get up down there, but so he'll overlook it for. 101 credits
4: Garibaldi He's Question He's his authority
2: hmm. Yeah Got a question 80. Yeah uh, Garibaldi broke the lock earlier on yeah. Okay. yeah That's gonna, co- that gonna cost um, What did it, it say Another 10 credits
1: 20 credits So I guess
2: So yeah. Garibaldi's still 19 credits down on the deal
3: I guess he yeah. overlooked That last 20 <laughs> Now, I think, you know, Garibaldi's just trying to get one up on the other guy. And he doesn't really care about the credits per se. just trying to say, see, I have more authority than you. So he was
1: paying the 100 credits because the guy had to go through extra hassle to get the package there. So I was wondering, like, since when do you pay the postal post office for a package you receive? I
4: don't you know. know somebody like, sent it COD, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or apparently in space.
0: Means, People
1: actually do
3: this that. This means, though, <laughs> um, kind of that the Postal Service on Babylon 5 are their official, unofficial smugglers. <laughs> I
4: guess so.
0: Basically. So Han Solo could work for the Postal Service.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> That's horrible. No. I
1: was thinking um, Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah. No. In the <laughs> black, got it. Yeah. Both of them would
0: fight against the Postal Service. (laughs) (laughs) And get your packages there on time.
3: Yeah, probably would. So they're more um, all the independent uh, package services. They're like I don't want to name any of them because you name one of them, you'll get in trouble with the rest. (laughs) (laughs) I want
1: some strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, Jakar and Franklin are seeing Arthur off. He's Arthur's going to be part of the resistance, helping the Narn. Franklin wants, wants him to stay longer, but Arthur assures him he's healed, and they all say their goodbyes, and Jakar walks him off. Mm. Then Marcus shows up. He hates goodbyes and just wanted to watch him go and remember Arthur. Mm. <laughs> like, I hate to say goodbye, but I like to watch you leave. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: he won't say goodbye. He'll just...
3: Yeah, that's It's consistent with what we learned as a character last week, though. No, a week before last time. I hate goodbyes,
1: too, though. I, I like it at work. There are people who say goodbye every day when they leave. I just kind of sneak
3: off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just, just
0: and they're like, where's Will?
1: <laughs> that's probably what happened.
3: Yeah, it, it also reminds me of something later on in Babylon 5. uh. <laughs>
0: Silence is the two know, yeah.
1: figure it out, and <laughs> us two just sit here and go, okay. So Mark is gonna um, miss him, even if he's not out there. We get our first Kosh sighting in a while.
3: Yeah. American sighting. And then Mark is just in speculation. Yeah, who <laughs> everybody is. He name checks some people, but then the last two kind of leaves ambiguous for the audience.
1: Who's Mordred and who's... Morgan Le yeah. Hmm. Wait,
0: well, Mordred again? is Morden, even though it's not, probably, because I... Does
1: that be Garibaldi, maybe?
2: I don't know.
3: Well, I mean, prior to Marcus putting people in, you know, asking these two last ones, sorry, who he actually placed as the other characters their stories don't quite match up with the legend anyway, so it's kind of he's doing a very loose correlation so don't worry too much about the specifics of the story just think more about the archetypes they represent mm. that's all I'm going to say <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, my uh King Arthur knowledge is not that great So
1: Yeah, I was there three years ago think it was, what was that, The Mist of Avalon?
2: Uh-huh.
1: I think after I watched that, I said I was going to read as much as I could about the King Arthur story, but I never got around to it.
2: Well, uh, while I've been recording this episode, I've actually been reading upon <laughs> Arthur Uther, U- uh, Uther Bang Dragon, born in 1954, a man who claims to be the reincarnation.
3: Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, he's not the, um, high druid guy, is he? Yes, he is. Oh, yes, him. The guy with no sense of humour.
2: Yeah.
1: I saw Merlin and I saw that star show that lasted like one season, Camelot.
3: I never saw Camelot, but Merlin is fun, but he really plays fast and loose with what I know of the legend. Yeah. I'm nowhere near an expert, but, you know, you grow up over here, you tend to hear it several times. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that and oh. the whole Boudicca is I've seen the of, sword
0: and the stone. <laughs> you know, the Disney cartoon. Yeah.
3: yeah that's oh, very. Cartoon cartoon. <laughs> you have to wonder, though, the way they portray Merlin and that is almost exactly the same way. Sorry, the way they do it, portray Merlin at the very end of that is the same thing they do for the genie at the very end of that. They could actually be the same person in the Disney universe. Yeah. Sorry, I love my little theories that can go anywhere and have no basis to anything. Yeah.
1: So I was reading notes. Um, yeah, Bill Blair was in this episode, and JMS was saying that um, when people hear what this episode appears to be about, they're going to be like, "Oh God, they're not doing that, are they?" And there'll be a lot of sarcasm. And till the episode airs and see what it's about and. Thinks it will be popular when they actually see it. This is before the episode aired. I wonder if so how JMS to go gonna... for him. I don't know. I don't think this one is not as highly regarded as some of the ones we've seen recently and some that are coming up. I uh, I wonder if JMS is going to be doing some of this stuff for Sense Eight.
3: Mm-hmm. I wonder whether he's put any Babylon Five Easter eggs in Sense Eight.
1: There probably will be something. Or he is he
3: doing it? Or or is this a backdoor spin-off of Babylon 5 of this is actually how size originally got created and these are the first three original size? And because they're the original size, they're all, their minds are linked.
0: Ian, you're full of the theories today.
3: <laughs> I love them, but yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised with JMS, though. That's the sort of stuff he likes to do.
1: JMS really liked this episode. He said the performance, the music, everything works. He tried to get a little artsy, stretch some muscles he hasn't used very much, and thinks it came out very nicely.
0: I'm glad he's pleased with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, there's something talking about how the name of the ranger pin is Insilza, and and is where the shadow lives. I don't know if that connected, but just how the language... The Z A Z H A. There's another term which I'm not sure we've heard on the show before.
3: Yeah, we haven't I heard think. it yet. Okay, I won't say it then.
1: <laughs> Alright, do we have any quotes?
2: I do, if, the, if I may go first. Sure. Yeah, I was waiting on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to think it was awful that life was so unfair, but then I thought, wouldn't it be much worse if life were fair and all the terrible things happened to us because we actually deserve them? I agree with Marcus. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, that was Michael, and I don't know if that idea is stuck with me. I don't know if I've heard it in like many different places, or if this was the first place I heard it. it Just kind of stuck in my head, but yeah, something I think about, or Mm. I have thought about before.
3: yeah you know, it's It's definitely one to keep in mind, because I'll go the other direction with a Jakar quote by jakranna, I can't recall the last time I was in a fight like that, no moral ambiguity, no hopeless battles against ancient and overwhelming warriors. they were the bad guys, as you say, and we we were the good guys, and they made a very satisfying thump when they hit the floor. <laughs> How
1: that came back is satisfying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I'll go with Garibaldi. Why are you so nervous about... What are you so nervous about? We went up against the entire Earth Alliance and two carrier groups. And that security guard. Yeah, but this is the post office. This could get us in real trouble.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have one from Franklin. Um, I'm a know-it-all a-hole and I have many psychiatry degrees.
3: I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, cool. you still got the other Jicar quote you've got to go for, but it's got to prove. I didn't write it out. Right. I was hoping someone would get that one. Well, probably not the one, but um, because oh. it's primed with um, what's it, Mark is saying, get, Mr. Garibaldi is very put out. Yeah. Because Mr. Hoping. Garibaldi is always put out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the one you were looking for? No, it was that one. All uh, right,
1: All right, is that all? Yep. Who are our characters of the week? Who's human of the week? I said Marcus. I had a hard time deciding. Mm.
4: I like the King Arthur guy. Yes, Michael but I George would just call him Arthur.
3: Actor, but it's, he's hampered Arthur. with being in some awful black and white scenes.
1: Yeah. That's
3: Literally. not his fault. It, it's not. <laughs>
2: 80s pop video is one when they
3: describe those black and <laughs> white <laughs> Yeah, I've Well Are you just are you waiting for an animated version of him to tear out of um, one of the doors? Then, <laughs> Cause yeah. when you say that, I'm reminded of "Take on Me." Oh yes, oh, that's an awesome song. <laughs> uh, yeah, make sure you don't search or click on the A1 cover because that's awful.
1: Who's our Alien of the Week? Jakar. Yeah, Jakar.
3: <laughs>
0: no, I think it should be, um, more specifically, Drunk Jakar. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> drunk Jakar. Okay. King
1: Arthur and Drunk Jakar. Yes.
0: The next
3: No, buddy no, no. no. Drunk King Arthur and Drunk Jakar. That's actually the best theme <laughs> for both of them. Yeah.
1: All right, let's right to this episode. Wanna start us out, Shane?
2: Oh yes, uh, I've got a funny feeling I might be the only one to say this, but I love this episode. I, um, I was looking on the, uh, on the Denver website and I realised that nobody else has taken this episode, and I don't understand why. I absolutely adore this episode. Okay, so Scottish folks, not going to den- deny that. Because, you know the Aided Pop video that I've just mentioned, but. Overall, um, it is such a lighthearted romp that we—I think—we the series actually needed after the um, after the uh, trilogy of episodes that we had been breaking away from Earth earlier this season. So I'm going to have to rate this nine out of ten. Excalibur thoughts.
1: Cool. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> How about you, Heidi?
0: Um. Well, my rating is going to bring it down. Uh. <laughs> After the awesome string of episodes that we have had, uh, this one really stood no chance with me. But then, when I was confused and thought that things were happening that were not happening, that would have been amazing, it's not the episode's fault, it's mine, but it completely brought it down for me because I thought that Arthur knew Morton and all of this stuff and it would have just
4: been... Amazing.
0: So I am going to give it five out of ten um, references to the British literature. Five? Yes.
1: Okay. How about you, Elizabeth? Yeah.
4: Um, well, Shane, I am with you. I oh, really liked nice. this uh, episode. Um, I really did. I, I was apprehensive I guess when he first said he was King Arthur and I'm like what are they gonna do (laughs) but I really I thought it was well done and um I was actually quite fascinated and I, I would love to see more of this too on the show you know when he started getting his flashbacks um when he was talking to Jakar I thought it was so interesting because it's like he thinks he's King Arthur and everybody is I mean Jakar is treating him like he's King Arthur you know it's just it's it it is who he projects himself to be and who he believes himself to be. And I just thought that was interesting and I loved his interactions with Jakar. I like some music. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, JMS saying that I like the music in this episode.
3: Um,
4: even the Garibaldi stuff was kind of fun. I don't know. I just found the whole thing very interesting. I wish I knew more about the myth because I wish I could have aligned it more with what I know of the myth, but I just had to take their word that that was part of the myth. Um, but no, I I quite enjoyed this one. Um, I will give it eight point seven five surge cars.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. How about you, Ian? Yep.
3: Yeah, well, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. There's there's things about this I don't like. I've said it already, but the as he said, Shane, the music video black and white sequences I find incredibly cheesy and a. Mm, Maybe it's just a product of the time, because I'm noticing it more now than I have before. Um, although, set aside against that, Michael York is brilliant. And you do, you, you've you got the juxtaposition of pe- how people are treating him. You've got Jakar, Marcus and Delenn treating him with respect and completely understanding what he's going through in various different ways. Um, and then you've got Franklin, who, yes, does some questionable things, but he's doing it from a position, you know, where he's still trying to help Arthur, but in a very different way. I'm also a little disappointed that we didn't get more of the League of None Online World stuff, because I think that could have balanced things a little bit better if we had had a balance of those two stories, and then, Bumped down the Garibaldi stuff a little bit, because although it was good, it didn't need to take up so much time of the episode. So I'm going to have to give it about seven and a half out of ten satisfying thumps. Nice. Oh, and before I go on, I should rate last week's episode as I wasn't here, Um, because you'll need it for the table, I'm sure. Um, Just quickly, I do like it. It, it, it's fun, V it is always interesting, um, and I haven't quite got a rating system off the top of my head, but I'm going to give it 8.5.
1: Cool. Brings the total score up a little bit. Yeah, this wasn't my favorite episode. I thought, I didn't really like the premise, and yeah, I think it would have been better if it turned out he really was author, brought out of time. I did like the scenes with Jakar and author, and... I wish we had had more of the league stuff, but and yeah, Michael York did a great job, but overall, and yeah, the other yeah, black and white scenes I didn't think were cheesy, but I just had zoned out It kind of zoned out a few times when the author was explaining stuff, so I'll give it seven out of ten ladies of the lake uh, total score is seven point four
3: five,
1: so now let's get on our. Fiery horses and take a trip to Feedback Land. Okay. First, we have email from Glory and Carl. I'll take this one. Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor. I think Heidi and Elizabeth were on track with some of the predictions last week. There were issues with delivery from Earth, though Garibaldi managed to outsmart the post office at the end. It reminded me a bit of Sheridan finding a way around paying rent. The other delivery of the episode was King Arthur and his sword Excalibur, which was partially predicted as well. The appearance of the sword in full armor resulted in much clapping. We consulted the Lurker's Guide, which indicated it was a real sword. Carl was hoping he was the real King Arthur and brought it forward in time by the Vorlons. That was quite creative thinking for Marcus. How did he even know about the Jack the Ripper character? That's what I was yeah, wondering. How does he true. know about all that? The other scene that brought the most cheering was the fight between Arthur and the down-below thugs, especially when Jakar first watched and then jumped in. It was so much fun to watch him have such a great time with it. At the end, as Carl said, a drunk Jakar is fabulous. (laughs) I think we need to see more of that. I liked seeing Marcus and Franklin together. They make a good, contrasting team playing off one another. However, when Franklin insisted on confronting Arthur and his real identity... There's a lot of cursing. For example, F U Franklin, from Carl. <laughs> I did the
4: same thing, Carl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the analogy between the round table and what B5 is trying to accomplish? Marcus says, I'm Galahad, being, him being sinless and all. Sheridan is author, Ivanova, perhaps Gawain. I think we both know who Mordred is. So the question is, who is Morgana Le Fay? So who is Mordred? Lando, maybe? And who is Morgana Le Fay? It will be interesting to hear your thoughts. And Delenn, of course, is the Lady of the Lake. Carl wants to see her use Excalibur sometime in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. That's actually an interesting debate because Delenn is Lady of the Lake in David's interpretation. Is she still a Lady of the Lake in the version that Marcus is spinning, or is she Guinevere? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: My final note. Carl had been wondering about how they would defend the station if the Minbari ships left, so now we have our answer. Any predictions about how that will work out? It will likely mean more work for Ivanova and Clarence. Asking for defense from other worlds. Carl had that question. Quotes. Uh, There's one about life being unfair. And means Marcus, war is as much concept as execution. Ratings. Carl, rating three, downgraded because he was not really author three metaphors magic swords and momentary awesomeness human author son of uther pendragon son of bricus wielder of excalibur the once and future king of all the britons iceland norway and Gaul, and once a very long time ago a squire named wart favorite alien merlin yeah favorite ship not sure how to pronounce it. Pridwin, the ship that took Arthur P- to Avalon.
3: Maybe Pedrine? Yeah, that sounds about right. Pedrine. You've got to roll your eyes when you're pronouncing these names. Okay.
1: Favorite set? The Thunderdome. <laughs> 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 Prediction for the next episode title? Um. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's coming. In mourning that he was not Jakar. Oh, yeah, the next episode, titled title was Ship of Tears.
3: Uh, I didn't know whether he wanted to say that yet, but yes. Yeah. Sorry. We'll the be ship saying it in
0: like five seconds. So.
3: Yeah, it's coming in mourning for Arthur then. That's his prediction, okay.
1: <laughs> Lori, seven out of ten agreeable thumps. Alien, Jakar, human, Markets. My favorite episode with Markets so far. Well, thank you, guys.
3: Oh, yes. Thanks.
1: Next is an email from Victor.
3: Okay, then I'll take this one. I always remember this episode as the King Arthur one. It has good character moments regarding the car, but it's not one of my favorite episodes because basically nothing happens. we have already seen the story of how the Earthman-Bowry War was accidentally started, and this was just another retelling of it from the point of view of an Earth Force soldier in the front lines. However, the incident remains, reminds me of a story my father told about his service in World War Two. He was a soldier on a transport in the Pacific, part of a task force whose job it was to liberate lands from the Japanese, sorry, islands from the Japanese. One day the invasion fleet approached a Japanese held island and trained their big guns on what appeared to be a deserted island. When nothing happened for a while, the captain gave the order to elevate the guns. Once the s- guns were safely pointed up in the air, natives came swarming out of the jungle down to the beach to welcome the fleet. It turns out that the Japanese had abandoned the island. They had gotten wind of the invasion and had pulled out the night before.
5: Oh, good story.
3: Interesting, definitely. Then, as now, pointing large guns at people is not the best way to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, really. Uh-huh.
3: It's a wonder the quaint Mumbari custom of having their ships run with gun points open as a sign of if- expected to start more wars <laughs> okay I yeah, I have a workaround with that because prior to the Earth-Membari war not many people had contact with the Membari in the way they were kind of how the Vorlons are now to everyone else and maybe the interaction they had were with the worker cast who wouldn't have done that it's only the Wallery cast to do that sure. uh, that's that's me giving them an out. It's n- <laughs> it's never stated one way or the other. Uh, he goes on to say, as much as I enjoyed Garibaldi's subplot, it's hard to believe his Italian cuisine would have been left to spoil in a postal locker, or even that there will start to be there will still be a postal service in twenty two sixty. So,
0: so about this, I would like to say especially if it still runs the same that it does today, which it looks like it does. So. Uh, <laughs> well,
3: maybe they stopped the postal service until they went into space and started building colonies and space stations and needed to ferry posts out to all these colonies. And okay, right, we need a service to do that. Here, let's start this whole thing up again. Okay, I'm full of theories today, aren't I? Ah, uh, he finishes off. So it, I will give this episode seven satisfying thanks out of ten. Good rating. Everyone seems to be going for it, Victor. Thanks for the email.
0: Thanks, Victor. Yes, thanks,
1: Victor. Next, we have an email from Yarsto.
0: I'll take that one. Greetings, down below casters. <laughs> Let's hope this clears the spam filter without trouble. Here's my feedback for a late delivery from Avalon. Perhaps that delivery was late because Arthur, too, got stuck in a spam filter. (laughs) I have something of a weak spot for this episode. Maybe it's just my love of myths and legends shining through. It seems like Michael York's performance as Arthur is the result of him being told, play it like it's theater, which splendidly fits with the fact that he's playing someone taking on an assumed character. Also, bonus points for the episode for Michael York's voice. If we look at the episode as a whole, we see the station is still struggling to adjust to the new situation. Garibaldi's Garibaldi's having post office problems, and Sheridan and Ivanova are worrying over reduced income from docking fees and setting up new defense treaties. It's almost as if JMS was trying to hammer at home that this isn't Star Trek and big things like breaking away from Earth aren't simply solved at once or even three episodes later. Of course, if anyone were doubting that this show wasn't ne- wasn't neatly delineated episodic content by this point, they need only look at the fact that now, halfway through Season 3, we get yet another new piece of information about the Earth-Mimbari War, which we've been wondering about since The Gathering. Have
3: we been wondering?
0: <laughs> <clears throat>
3: well, when- um, there is a slight bit of information that um, I think maybe this is the first time... W- we know that um, the Earth ships accidentally fired on the. No, we do know about the Mambar reports before. There's, I know there's a small bit of extra information, but I don't quite know what it is. Okay. Because it all runs together for me. See, I
4: is don't know because ship? I forget so much stuff that when they right. were talking about it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe we didn't
1: know this, you know? I think so. we didn't know the ship that was the Prometheus.
3: Maybe we just found out the ship's name. Yeah. Okay,
0: now some random thoughts I had while watching. Is it just me, or is Franklin flirting with Marcus? <laughs> Complimenting <laughs> his medical knowledge, asking about his jewelry. Of course, it doesn't stretch to Franklin backing Marcus's willingness to believe in Vorlon abductions. And of course, if Arthur had been taken by the Vorlons, he'd speak Celtic, or maybe Latin, but not English.
3: Or, or French. If there was a real Arthur, he's probably he was probably French.
0: Arthur and Jakar really ought to have had a buddy cop slash vigilante style spin-off. What are we going to do tonight, Arthur? The same thing we do every night, Jakar. (laughs) Try to bring justice to the galaxy. That's
3: awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Um, That that reminds me of a um, little uh, cartoon I saw on Tumblr the other day where um, someone's drawn Natoth and Lady Adira as Buddy cops. Nice.
0: <laughs> uh, question. Does anyone else now want an Arthur and Jakar cartoon? There are Arthur and Jakar. Yes, Arthur and Jakar. I'm not saying, sorry, guys. <laughs> One is an ancient king. The other's a Narn. Oh, it fits. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that Arthur mentions both warrior and priest when talking about Jakar. Given the arc we've seen Jakar go through... Season 1 Jakar was almost exclusively a warrior, but as Dylan has said, he's no longer the same Narn he was then. The discussion about treating Arthur between Marcus and Franklin brings up an interesting point. We've seen the death of personality used as capital punishment. What does that say about killing the Arthur personality? Then again, given the disturbing visions we see Arthur experiencing, could it be that Marcus was also wrong and that Arthur was actually suffering already? Or has David effectively sentenced himself by becoming Arthur? As is typical of B5, there is no obvious right answer dictated to us by the episode, even though things turn out mostly right at the end. Just as typical, in some ways we're left with more questions than answers. Quotes. Um, We have the unfairness of the universe one. Um, Arthur, you have something that does not belong to you. Actually, I suspect you have quite a few things that do not belong to you. We have the thump quote, <clears throat> the postal service one, um, Garibaldi being put out, uh, the other thump quote. I think we've mentioned all of these. Um, and Marcus looking at Kosh, next thing you'll be saying, he's not Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Um, my favorite characters in the episode are, of course, my spin off cartoon team human, Arthur, alien, Jakar. Episode rating, 13 out of 14, Arthur nights. <laughs> Jarsto from the Netherlands. Thank you
3: Thank very you much, Jarstow. Jarstow. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I found that image I was talking about. I'm going to say, you guys, maybe you can put it in the uh, show notes, Phil. If sure. I can bring it up, a, give me a second, please. Right, mm-hmm. I, For some reason, trying to find it, didn't go where I thought it would. I love it it's kind of awesome
4: what are we
3: looking at sorry oh it's just this image uh, someone drew of um, Adira and um, Natoth who we've seen a couple of times navigate to my computer that
1: looks good it does doesn't it it does I'm going to slay this and next we have an email from Derek Okay. There email.
4: Yeah. Um, Dearest Ambassadors, today we are presented with a conundrum due to the succession of Babylon 5 from the Earth Alliance. Apparently, along with the shortage of tailors that can never get Zach's uniforms to fit right and a lack of pest control companies for Londo to call when there are giant insects invading his house, there is a dearth of psychologists and psychiatrists. So much so that instead of using traditional therapy and medications that have advanced 200 years, that might help poor Arthur, King of the Brits. Stephen Franklin, who by now surely must have lost his medical license <laughs> for touchy-feelishness, has decided to solve King Arthur's problems by himself with help from a completely non-therapy-trained Marcus, whose only qualification is that he likes history that was probably not real anyway. Yikes. I agree. Hmm. That perfectly encapsulates
3: the whole... Thing. Well, given yeah. the whole, um... But fact, they've broken away from Earth. There's no one to actually disbar um, Franklin at the moment anyway, <laughs> apart from Franklin himself. It's a out here.
4: It's a wonder our dear misguided friend finally was able to achieve some closure in his real life and begin to heal. Between Stephen and Marcus, Lancelot could have just as easily ended up thinking he was a duck and waddling off the station. Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps it is because I've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail approximately 100 times, but was anyone else expecting that whenever King Arthur was walking, he should have been pretending to ride a horse, while either Marcus or Jakar followed close behind, clapping two hollow coconuts? <laughs> no, but it would have been better.
0: <laughs>
3: you see, now I'm imagining um, Jacquard and Londa recreating the whole French castle scene.
4: And then, whenever Arthur mentions Camelot, there is a brief musical number that includes words such as Pramalot and Spamalot, followed by him saying, never mind, Camelot, tis a silly place. If that had happened, this would have been the best episode ever on Babylon 5, or any other TV show ever. (laughs) We learn that the ship that started the Earth-Mimbari War was the Prometheus, along with knowing earlier that the ship Sheridan's wife was on was called the Icarus that crashed on Zaha Doom, the planet of the shadows. Given the bad voodoo associated with the ship, I suggest no other ships be named after really bad ideas or sad stories since they lead to disaster.
3: yeah. Oh, and I mean, remember, um, Sheridan's former ship was the Agamemnon. It, again, had its own bad story associated with it. Troy and everything that goes along with it. So, yeah, Earth Force aren't great with naming their ships. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, yes, that means Earth Force should take the ship Pandora's Box out of service, <laughs> along with the Titanic and Nostradamus. And the ship called Bad Ideas is grounded for the entirety of its existence. The ship named the Daughter Party should not be allowed into any cold areas of the galaxy. Instead, let's name our ship something brighter like the USS Muppets, Voyage yeah. of the Bad Trenner, or Millennium Falcon, USS Rainbow Bright, or my personal <laughs> favorite, the USS Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yes.
3: oh, I, I can, although I can definitely see someone, you know, once... Ships become a commonplace thing, naming their private ship the Millennium Falcon.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Human of the episode, Brother Theo, even though he wasn't on the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. I've been wondering where
3: oh, Brother Theo is. I
4: know. He's hiding oh, with Kosh.
3: I'm just thinking, yes, he needs to join in the whole body cop thing. And, you know, you've got the whole new round table. Brother Theo is a new Merlin.
4: Um, Everyone else pretty much did something stupid the entire episode which made me wonder if talking with Brother Theo would have just smoothed things over and figured things out. That's why during any crisis, everyone should ask what would Brother Theo do? (laughs) Alien of the (laughs) week, Jakar who pretty much did the only cool thing this episode and helped a guy out in need without trying to frack with his mind. Apologies to Battlestar Galactica for the usage. Mm. Overall, kind of a meh episode but at least the other governments have agreed to protect Babylon 5. So a 6 plus an additional point for the Sheridan-Ivanova-Babylon 5 protection plot for a 7 out of 10 hollow coconuts clapping. Or if that is taken, (laughs) it's not. 7 out of 10 ships that are named after bad ideas. Until next Mm -hmm. time, dearest ambassadors, may your ships be named happy ships.
3: Derek. (laughs) Thank you, Derek. (laughs) Thank
4: you, Derek.
3: Oh, now I just need a cypher show to actually... Take on that whole idea of not going with pretentious names and just doing fun names. Huh. Mine would be named
1: the
4: Miss Peacock. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Mine would be named the Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Next is email from Melanie. I'll take this one. Hi down below. I had a lot of fun on the podcast last week. Thanks again.
4: Oh, thanks Melanie.
1: It was a bit difficult to remain silent at the predictions about the post office. I like that part of the episode, but I'm a bit sad to say that I found it to be the best part of the episode this time. More consequences of breaking away from Earth and Garibaldi's back. As for the A plot, I found Jakar and the information about the Earth-Minbari War to be the redeeming parts. Back in Season 1, there was a Minbari ship approaching Babylon 5 with the gun ports open. This just makes me wonder whoever was in charge of that ship seem really This makes- This just makes whoever was in charge of that ship seem really stupid. Yeah, let's approach this Earth station with our gun ports open. That worked so well the last time. It only resulted in a war that lasted a few years. We also found out that the war started in 2245. Chakar seemed to be a bit familiar with Earth history. Someone put a sword on his shoulder and he understood that it was a big deal in a non-threatening way. His description of the battle that, that I'm a bit disappointed we didn't get to see was nice. The main problem I have with this episode can be summed up in two words, Hollywood psychology. (laughs) It really doesn't live up to B5's usual standards with the whole one realization is all it takes to be cured plot. I'm trying to convince myself that Jakar was just trying to get David away from Franklin. (laughs) Speaking of Franklin, I usually don't get this bothered by him, but did he get his, sorry, but did he get his, his degree when he bought cornflakes or what happened? (laughs) What's up with the I clearly don't really know anything about this, but I'm just going to try to force David out of his delusion instead of asking someone for help. And now I'm going to act all surprised when the Hollywood psychology needs something else before it can work.
5: Well wow. much <laughs> Yep. Yeah.
1: We also find out that cautious Merlin and Delinus Lady of the Lake slash someone using Hollywood to fix Franklin's mess. Marxist badge is a symbol of the humans and membar uniting against a common enemy. Rating 6, bonus for Jakar Garibaldi versus Post Office 1. Final rating 7, very satisfying thumps by Sir
5: Hmm.
1: Human of the Week, David McIntyre. Who's David McIntyre? I'm kidding. <laughs> Alien, Sir Jacar Quotes, Marcus. Maybe we should call him Drunk Sir Jacar or <laughs> Sir <laughs> Drunk Jakar. Yeah,
3: no, Sir Jakar the Drunk.
1: Ah, I was <laughs> Quotes, uh, the one about life being unfair, uh, Garibaldi, the one Garibaldi about getting in real trouble with the post office, uh, Serge Akar. I will vouch for his character. I saw the entire thing because I was there. I was in it and they made a very agreeable thump. Or did I mention that? Oh, we already said some of that. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakowian beer fan. Oh, Thank you, thanks, Melanie. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, it was really great having
3: you on last week. You when know? Sorry, I couldn't be there.
1: Yeah, thanks for all the feedback, everybody. That's mail it down below or the website or the Facebook group or head over to iTunes and leave a rating. Uh, my code is coming back with a vengeance. Um, <laughs> so let's do predictions and name the next episode, as we know, is Ship of Tears.
0: That sounds awful. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I forgot to, I keep forgetting to mention that I, um, scheduled next week off, so Ship of Tears is in two weeks.
4: Okay.
1: So I going to be gone, I going to be in Mississippi, and my mom doesn't have internet. <laughs>
4: oh my goodness. How do you survive? <laughs> <laughs> That's why
1: I don't go home very often.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Ship of Tears. Okay, so refugees, maybe. Yeah? I don't know. The like Trail of Tears. Yeah, yeah. Um, refugees from the uh, the non-aligned worlds. There, that's that's my guess. <laughs> yeah, or more more Narns. Or more Narns. Um.
0: Yeah, that that kind of sounds like the the best theory based on that title to me. So I'm I'm gonna go along with you on that
4: one. Wait. And. that's
3: no other um, speculation on Arthur Legend counterparts, although, as you, just, as you said, you don't know much about the legend.
0: Yeah, like I don't really have a basis for most of these characters. Do you want a quick course
3: on who Morgana LePay is? She
4: was the sorceress,
3: right? Um, Yes, but she's also Arthur's half brother, who. Sorry, half sister.
4: <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Wasn't that her sister or something?
3: Mm, uh, Maybe
4: I'm thinking of the T.H. White version.
3: Right, and basically, but she's also the mother of Mordred. Right, but I
4: thought that was something girl. No?
3: Okay. Well, it depends on the legend, but yeah. that's that's a more common legend that's around at the moment, which is probably the one JMS used. There are other versions of the legend, which there's other characters that, you know, there's Morgana Le Fay, but there's also, I'm trying to remember the name of the other character that who's technically... A mother on her side, but not Arthur's mother. Or maybe I'm right, or maybe it is the same mother, but they have different fathers. Yes, same mother, different fathers. I'm trying to remember who she is, though. Um, in some legends, it's Queen Mab. In some legends, it isn't.
0: Yeah, I have no predictions based on any of
4: that because there's. Are we supposed, like, is that going to come up again?
3: <laughs> well, no, it's just nice no speculation. Oh. Just, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah i Londo, then. He's Morgana <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> and Morden
0: is
3: Mordred.
4: So that means that Sheridan and Londo had a love child, and it is Morden.
3: Nice. <laughs> and he travelled back in time to mess with both of them. Makes
4: sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. I guess that's it. There really wasn't a lot to forward any theories. I mean, no... The- online Just, world. I don't know what's what going to happen with that, but...
0: Hopefully someday Franklin, Franklin will lose his medical license.
4: <laughs> In a ceremony where he's, like, knighted, but with, like, a beaker or something <laughs> get back. And he's he's out of control. They need to have another doctor on this ship that can, like, challenge him.
0: Yeah. We need Doc, Doc Coddle. Is that his name from Beaker? Yes.
4: Oh, my god. Yeah,
0: he totally needs to show up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all.
4: Well...
1: Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, my mic was muted. <laughs> I've been sneezing while you were doing predictions. <laughs> well, yes, thank you for joining us again, Shane. Um, it has been episode. my
2: pleasure, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Well, slightly uh, yeah. longer than that.
3: Yeah. yeah well, when we come back for your next episode, For exactly, yes. which it on, is? I was going to say yeah. um, later on this same season. Yeah.
2: Oh,
1: double the shame.
3: The one you signed up for rather than seeing this one, which no one did.
2: Yes. What was up with that, guys? I mean, come
0: on! I wondered, Shane, if this was your first choice.
3: I know, you're
1: stepping I think no one listed as their top choice, maybe one person had it as a backup, I think. So, yeah, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back in two weeks with Ship of Tears, but until then... Goodbye.
3: Bye. Be seeing you. Bye.
1: <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.